This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Free to Focus, a total productivity system to achieve more by doing less. The latest book from Michael Hyatt. Pre-order now for exclusive bonuses at freetofocusbook.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And in this episode, we're talking about business health, what it is, why it's critical, and how you can make an honest assessment of it. Now, our format's going to be a little bit different today, and I'm really excited about this episode. Today, we're doing a live coaching call with one of our listeners, and we're going to walk him through his results from our free business health assessment tool. Yeah, we've done one of these live coaching sessions before, and I am so excited to get to do it again today. And as always, Larry's here to walk us through the process. Larry? Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, you know, you both have a wealth of business experience, and I wonder, as somebody who's not been a leader in a business setting, uh, do you think most leaders really know the true state of their business? I don't think so. And I think it's probably because for most leaders, the information they get is filtered. And if they don't create the right culture, they're not getting probably as much bad news as they need to course correct. They're probably getting more of the good news than is really there. And so it's a little bit imbalanced. I mean, I think it takes tremendous self-awareness on the part of a leader and intentionality so that you get in unfiltered information and, and can really monitor the health of your business. It's also easy to just be consumed with the day-to-day. You know, you're you're kind of in the weeds of running your business and putting out fires and things like that. And it's it can be rare for you to pull up to 30,000 feet and have the kind of visibility that you need to really assess the health of your business. You know, I think a lot of leaders in any context get fixated on one metric. And um, in business, it could be revenue. And as long as we're making sales and gaining new customers, what else could go wrong? (laughs) Right. Well, as it turns out, a lot. (laughs) Because uh, revenue growth can't be your only metric. And I had a business, owned a business back in the 80s, where that was the primary metric that we were watching because we thought, you know, we're not making money, but we'll make it up on volume. You know, eventually we'll be making money. We just got to, you know, get our footprint in the marketplace big enough. That's that's really not a good strategy. And a lot of businesses, including my business back in the 80s, did go broke because we were only paying attention to that one metric. Now, this call is going to be based on our business health assessment tool, and you guys created this. So before we get into the call, let's give people a little background on exactly how it works so they can understand what we're talking about with, uh, with our listener. Yeah. So we talk about seven pillars of business growth, and it's very easy if you're not self-aware to get fixated on one metric as we discussed. So what we identified, and this is largely based on my experience, both as a a business person and in coaching hundreds and hundreds of business owners and executives and leaders, is that there are really seven pillars, seven things that you've got to focus on. Things like vision and focus, team, culture, clients, data, and probably the most important, yourself. So what this assessment does is allow somebody who considers himself a leader, might be leader of a department, could be leader of a team, could be a business owner, could even be in a nonprofit context, but to self-assess on these seven pillars and say how I'm doing. And so we give people the opportunity to uh, give themselves a score between one and 12, very descriptive, very easy to do, very fast to do, but then all of a sudden they reduce everything to a number. This is your score. This is your business health assessment score, 
once you've measured it and given yourself a baseline, then you have the opportunity to improve it over time. Well, for anyone who wants to take that assessment for themselves, they certainly can. It's free at businessaccelerator.com slash health. So let's get to our call. We're going to be speaking with Andy Bond, who is the president and managing partner of a real estate company in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And let's get Andy on the line. Well, Andy, thanks for joining us for the podcast. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do. Absolutely. I uh, am the managing partner and president of the Lee team uh, in Keller Williams in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's a privilege to be a part of this organization. Uh, I'm 37, uh, married, have five children. Yeah, just excited, excited to be chatting with you guys. Awesome. Five kids. Well, I can definitely relate to that. I raised five <laughs> daughters. Well, we've got your results right here. And for listeners, if you take this yourself, you'll actually be able to get your own results instantly online, which is really fun um, to be able to know exactly how you're doing very quickly. But Andy knows his raw score, but we want to help him understand it a little bit better in this call. So Andy, your overall score was 48. So the maximum score is 84. Um, so, you know, you were about uh, 50% of the way to kind of your maximum potential there, which um, is definitely a good start. And the other thing is that the, the score was balanced. You know, your vision, for example, was slightly lower. Your team was slightly higher. All um, all the other pillars of business growth were right kind of at the midpoint. When you looked at the score, your overall score and the individual scores for each of the seven pillars, what do you see as your biggest opportunity or challenge right now? Getting clarity. Hmm getting clarity on um, taking the vision, making it more clear, and then piecemealing it out in a tangible way to my team. I kind of came into this position with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I had the massive privilege of taking 50% ownership of this business. Uh, I've worked my way up. Um, I presented a proposal to the owner. Um, and two months later, the owner of our team was like, Hey, I'm going into development. Uh, see you later. And, um, I came in as a very successful salesman, but being a great team leader and business owner and being a very successful salesman, I was missing a lot of, and I still am, if I'm honest, I'm still missing a lot of the tools to grow the team to, to the place where I want it. How would you say you feel about your business overall right now? Frustrated, maybe stuck, excited? What's the emotion around 2019 as you look forward to this year? The emotion is excitement. I could not be more proud of the people on our team. We, we closed, you know, 44 million last year. Wow. Um, and that was right after my business partner and I made a strategic decision to split off a client that represented 36% of our volume. Wow. Um, because our vision for the team and the vision of their business were starting to get enmeshed. And uh, we started to lose sight of why we were doing what we were doing. And that was a hard decision. And this 2018 was a rebuilding year. So uh, we have incredibly talented people that I'm excited to be in business with. That doesn't change the fact that the road ahead is very much uphill. Well, the good news is 
regardless of what your score is, you know, it's only a benchmark. It's a measurement in time. It's a snapshot of where you are. And it could always be improved, which is awesome. So let's walk through um, a couple of the pillars of acceleration, as many as we've got time for here. But uh, I want to start with vision, because vision was one that you scored yourself a five on, which is just under the midpoint. It was the lowest score that you gave yourself. And my guess is, based on that, you probably have a written vision statement, but it might be just a little bit too general to be meaningful. And you're not really using it in guiding your planning. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but leaders probably inside of your business have a good understanding of where you're going. But as you move, you know, down the food chain, so to speak, as you move deeper into the organization, maybe team members don't quite understand. They don't have the clarity around the vision. Does that sound accurate? Yes, it does. So what's working for you with the vision as it stands right now? The opening statement to our vision is we are a team of leaders and we're committed to coming together and growing an organization to earn significance in our community. And uh, we feel like real estate is a, is a backdrop for um, a little bit of a deeper mission. The reality is if, if we focus on growing ourselves as leaders, I believe that the rest will kind of follow suit behind it. Well, just a couple tips I want to give you on vision. First of all, I think it's really important as a business owner, and I see so many business owners not do this. In fact, the vast majority don't do this, is get clear on what role the business has in your life. Because if you're not careful, one of the things that happens as an entrepreneur, the demands of the business are so intense that if you're not careful, you end up servicing the business and the business becomes this all-consuming thing that sucks up your life. As opposed to saying, look, as I look out over the next three to 10 years, what role does my business play in, in my life? You've got five kids. You know, what, what's your vision for your family? What's your vision for your health? What's your vision for these other aspects of your life? And then what's your, what's your vision for the kind of business, kind of hours you keep, kind of intensity you have, the kind of rhythms inside your business? How is that going to serve your life? Then beyond that, I think inside the corporate vision, the traditional corporate vision, one of the things that uh, we recommend, particularly in our business accelerator program, is that you have a narrative vision, not this you know clever one-line statement. And I see a lot of people spend way too much time trying to distill a vision into a clever thing that I, I think could be a, a great tagline, but doesn't give enough detail. You want something concrete, specific, couple pages long needs to cover specific areas, but, uh, and, and it needs, you need to state your vision as though it were a present reality. In other words, uh, something that already exists because that gives it a power and an intensity and a directness that you don't have um, unless you do that. And then the final thing I would say is just keep that visible. As a leader, you cannot repeat it too frequently. You know, Andy Stanley says that vision leaks and he's exactly right. Just when you think you filled the bucket your team's stressed out or they're in the middle of a deal and they forget the vision and it's up to you. You're, you're the voice of the vision. If you don't give voice to it, it's not going to have a voice. I just think it's critically important. You know, I think that the end game is that everybody understands their role and how it contributes to the larger vision. You know, that they, they're not only aware of it, but they can connect the dots um, and not just your leadership team, but everybody in your organization understands how they're a significant contributor to, you know, the, the realization of that vision. And that's really exciting when that happens. But like you said, 
it happens because you say it a lot and you actually draw those connections for people. You know, if that's your executive assistant, you explain when they support you how that makes it possible for you to lead um, and how critical that is to the mission and vision of your organization. So that's a big part of this. Love that. So another pillar here of growth is focus. And this is an area where I think you have a lot of strengths. So you scored a seven, which is kind of above the midpoint there. So I'd expect to see that generally you're focused and disciplined, that you're getting good at saying no to opportunities that are outside your vision, um, that you concentrate on a core suite of products or services that make sense to you and your business vision, um, that you generally execute well, meet client expectations, and retain business. So does that sound accurate? Probably a little bit. It is accurate. Um, if I was taking the, the score again, I might put a little bit worse than what you just stated. Not a lot worse, but a little bit. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it can kind of vary at different parts of the year. It's like you're doing really well and then an intense season hits and you kind of lose a little focus. So that's normal. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit more about what's working for you in the area of focus. Having rhythms on the team really does help um, gathering everybody together, connecting with them, and then giving them giving them a, a clarity into the day. Uh, I think that ties in uh, a little bit what you said about you have to restate the vision mm-hmm. over and over and over because we're, you know, I know for me, I f- forgetting is like unfortunately a disease. You know, I forget <laughs> right. my own vision, and so uh, you get you get slammed with so much chaos during the day that it's easy to jump in and put out a fire that really wasn't a priority. Sure. Uh, but the pain of the moment kind of like drags you in. So I think mm-hmm. uh, what we're doing well is gathering together, having our power meetings and letting everyone be real for a minute and connect mm-hmm. and, and just whatever that thing that's holding them back, maybe allow that to come to the surface and then re focus everybody so they feel like they're not doing it alone. That's great. Well, a couple practical tips here. You know, it's really important that not only do you have a vision, but that you have broken that down into a series of annual goals that you're pursuing together as a team. And then uh, it's not just about having those annual goals. And it sounds like you may be doing some of this already, but it's keeping those goals visible on a regular basis for your team. So we do this on a monthly basis at our team meetings where we report on our progress um, toward our annual goals. We also do it at quarterly team trainings. Uh, And certainly we're doing it on an individual level on a daily basis and as a part of our kind of weekly preview process. But this is really important because if you don't, first of all, understand your vision, but then understand what that looks like practically uh, on a, you know, kind of a 12 month horizon, then you can get really distracted and lose your focus on the things that are going to drive results and drive you toward your larger vision. You know, you get uh, something shiny over here. Like you said, you have a fire to put out and it can really take you off course if you're not careful. So the visibility on a regular basis, not just for you, but for your team is probably one of the most important things you can do as a leader in a high growth business. I was pleased to hear you say, Andy, that that you really pruned in 2018. Mm -hmm. And a lot of business leaders are not willing to do that because it is a step back, but it's a step back to take a leap forward. And I think to to continue getting that cycle, you know, focus is really the application of vision. It's taking that vision and deciding what you're not going to focus on. Yep. And so that, you know, that I quote uh, Steve Jobs in my new book, uh, Free to Focus, which is coming out here in a few months. But he says that he was as proud at Apple of the things they decided not to do 
as as he was of the things that they decided to pursue. Mm-hmm. And when he came back to the company in 1997, having been away from the company for 12 years, he got hyper-focused on pruning everything that wasn't desktop computers for consumers, laptops for consumers, desktop computers for professionals, and desktop computers for consumers. So they're like four categories. And anything outside of that, they cut. And it was ruthless. And all they did was get profitable. And, and of course, Apple's reaping the results even to this day. And I, and I really believe that it began back when Steve decided that he was going to be more focused and the company was going to be more focused and they reaped the benefits of it. Yeah. You know, I think whether it's when we think about vision, we talk about it kind of at three year and 10 year time horizons, you know, and then goal setting on an annual basis. But all those things really provide a filter for us as leaders so that we're able to to say yes to the right things and no to the, the wrong things so we can stay on course to get where we want to go. Well, let's move to the next category, which is team. And this was your strongest area. You scored yourself an eight in this category, again, eight out of 12. And I would expect based on that, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, Andy, but mostly A players, maybe some B players, uh, fairly good hiring process. You're recruiting based on character, competence, chemistry, and conviction. And by conviction, we mean uh, people that are are aligned with your mission. They're not just there as mercenaries, but they have a conviction about what it is you're trying to create in the world. And you've got pretty good retention. But does that does that sound pretty accurate? It does. Again, I am just super proud of the people that we've onboarded. Our our interview process is very extensive, um, and part of that is just. It's not just for us, it's for them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like the more I know about them and how they learn and what their personality and behavioral traits are and, you know, talk to their past uh, employers, I really get a clarity on a sweet spot for them or not. And the only reason I'm not rating us higher than an eight is because there is a lack of commitment to some of the harder things that it's going to take you know, be it like making X amount of sales calls. And, uh, and I think I have a little bit of maybe even guilt, if I'm honest with like, oh, have I resourced them enough so that they really feel well equipped to make their sales calls. And so I'll wind up like compromising the standard, which really is my fault, not theirs, you know, um, but I'm just, I'm trying to just get this out on the table of like, sure, we need to be more clear and hold a standard and reward this standard. And right now it's a bit more loosey goosey. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that you would say that because I think that most people would intuitively think that if I lower the standard, people will like me and there'll be more, more commitment to the organization. And um, I, I'm not sure who asked me this, uh, but it, it, this is not original with me, but they said, okay, think back of all the teachers and the professors you had in college who are the ones that you remember? And for me, I go back to the toughest professor I had, actually a uh, high school English teacher, Mr. Colthorpe. I don't even know if he's still living, but uh, he was so tough. The expectations were so impossible. But what I found was that I really looked forward to going to his class because I was able to discover something in myself. I showed up in a different way to his class than I showed up at the other classes where there was less requirement. And to this day, I can't remember most of my other high school teachers' names. You know, that's an experience that came and went. But I remember Mr. Colthorpe, and he gave me a love for English, and he made me 
understand that I was capable of more than I imagined when I started his class. And I think as as business leaders, and and, and I struggle with this too, because I want to be liked. But what I realized is that more importantly, I want to give my employees an experience, my teammates an experience. I want to take organization to an experience that'll be unforgettable and make an indelible impact on the world. And that requires, I think, that that as business owners and team leaders, we have to be the ones that are raising the standard. You know, we have to constantly be calling people back to a higher standard and saying, you know what you did was great. We do need to definitely aff- affirm the positive, but say, you know, we as a team and you as an indiv- individual are capable of much more. And I think that it's easier for us to believe that for other people than sometimes it is for those people to believe it for themselves. And so that's where I feel like as a team leader, my job is to call out the greatness in other people, what they can't always see, and take a stand for it. And when they're not meeting the standard, it's not that I'm beating them up or they embarrassed me, but you know what? You're capable of more. And I'm that's that's not acceptable. I'm standing for a higher level of performance. A lot of this too goes back to the idea of vision. You know, that they need to be clear on the why. Why does making more sales calls help to drive the vision forward and also help to drive their own results and, and compensation reward forward? You know, if they can connect the dots between the personal reward and the mission and vision of the company, that usually will propel people forward. Sometimes that gets lost in translation though, and it just feels like something that's really out of their comfort zone or uh, they don't feel equipped and they don't feel as resourceful as they could if they were really compelled by a bigger narrative. That's really good. The thing about A players is that when you have high standards, you attract A players. You know, when you don't have high standards, the A players come in and they go, you know, this isn't a game worth playing because it's not challenging enough. Mm -hmm. That's right. Andy, let's go on to the final pillar that we're going to talk about today, which is you and how you kind of assessed yourself as a business leader. So you gave yourself a score of seven, which is, again, kind of above the median there. Um, so based on that, what I would expect to see is that you're doing quite a bit of delegation already, but you may still feel a little bit or quite a bit overwhelmed at different times. That You set clear guidelines when you delegate, but still may not always get the result that you want, that your team is mostly eager to pitch in, sounds like what you kind of just described, and that you usually follow up on delegation to ensure progress. The reason we're talking about delegation sort of under the pillar of you is the only way that you can scale you is to delegate Mm -hmm. because you have 168 hours a week. And once those hours are taken, and obviously you've got to sleep, you got to eat, you got to shower, you got to spend time with your family. But in the work hours that you've got left, those quickly get apportioned out. And so if you don't scale yourself through delegation, your business is going to stop when you're out of time. So I think it comes down to, for me, consistency mm-hmm. uh, to take myself from a seven to a, I, um, if I'm, again, being completely transparent, like the more that I plan and prepare directives, um, the more momentum there is behind it and the more like I delegate successfully. And the battle right now is it's really a lack of discipline with me personally of just like, when am I going to have no interruption to spend the time I need to spend like right. preparing the directives to hand off. And that's really like where the war is for me. Sure. And then the personal relationships, not having practice scripts for handing off 
customers that were mine for years and now I'm handing them off to my team and compromising and like taking those back. You know, it's that people pleasing, saying no thing that I is really where the war is in terms of delegation. That makes a lot of sense. And again, like I said at the beginning, you know, you're really in good company. This is a hard, a hard area for people um, because part of what got you to where you are is doing it yourself, right? (laughs) It just unfortunately doesn't scale. Um, One of the things that can be very helpful just practically as you're trying to uh, improve in this area is to get clear on what your greatest contribution is to your business. Um, Usually people kind of generally know, but maybe not specifically. So when we think about that, we call it the desire zone. So this is something that's out of the new book, uh, Free to Focus, that's coming out here in a couple months. And the idea is that it's the area where your greatest passion and your greatest proficiency or your ability to drive results kind of intersect. So it can't just be something that drives results. It also has to be something that you're passionate about. And it can't uh, just be something that you're passionate about. It also has to be something that drives critical results for the business, the most critical results for the business. Um, So if you can identify, you know, three to five activities in that area that are really what constitute your greatest contribution, then it begins to become clear Everything that's outside of that are candidates for either elimination or delegation. You know, you may just not need to not do them at all, or it may be things that other people on your team are more proficient at and certainly more passionate about uh, than you are. And so those are candidates for delegation. And when you start to think about the fact that everybody has a desire zone and what's in your desire zone is not going to necessarily be in someone else's desire zone. And therefore, the things that you uh, either are not as good at or you find really draining may be the very things that are in the desire zone for some of your team members. And so what that means for you is you're doing them um, a real service by giving them the opportunity to take on delegations from you because you're giving them meaningful work, you know, and I think that's a real premise of how we think about work and delegation and leadership in our company. This is so critical too, Andy, for you to have margin and to have time to think about your business and Mm -hmm. to work on your business is getting all this stuff that becomes busyness and consume so much of your day that somebody else could do better. I love this quote by Dawson Trotman. He said he purposed early in his career that he would never do anything of importance that others could or would do when there was so much of importance to be done that others could not or would not do. And so, you know, he focused on the things that were truly in his uh, strength zone and delegated everything else away. So I think that's, that's helpful. As We kind of come in for a close here. As you're thinking back about the uh, business assessment and just our brief conversation here, you know, you talked about wanting clarity at the beginning of our our call. What's your your biggest aha or your biggest takeaway as you move forward? I really think the final piece of what we just talked about, when you said passion and production, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it has to be something that like you really want to do. And it drives the business forward. And then what Michael added was, and that you can only do mm-hmm. where your sweet spot is really, you're contributing where nobody else can. And I think back to, you know, the clarity thing, I think really just taking the time to iron out what that looks like, mm-hmm. you know, not just for me, but for every individual team member. And I think, again, 
the biggest problem that you guys have kind of exposed through your assessment has been going from generic to uh, specific um, and to take the time to think through that. And honestly, I think your business assessment is a reflection of that. And, you know, if you're listening right now, I'd really encourage you to take it um, because it really does force you to think deeper uh, about the question that they're asking and get more to the core of uh, what needs to change. That's awesome. Andy, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Absolutely. All the best in your business. Thanks, Andy. Well, guys, that was a great call. And Andy has got some really great opportunities in front of him, but really a lot of challenges too. And he's very candid about that. Based on what you heard today, what would be your parting advice for him or somebody in Andy's position? Uh, I think the the most important thing is don't underestimate the value of clarity. You know, he said that at the beginning of the call. I think he said that at the end of our call, that when you lack clarity, it's very difficult to focus and then it becomes harder and harder to drive results. Um, And when you have clarity, then you know kind of what to do next and it really propels you forward. And that was a great lesson, I think, from the call. You know, one of the features of our scale smart system on which this assessment is built is that it begins with vision and it ends with you. And I think those bookends are the two most important. He talked about his top takeaway was, you know, being a better delegator and learning to use his team more. And I would say yes, but I would say that has to be preceded by vision, which is where he gave himself the lowest uh, score until you're clear on what you want. And I don't mean just in the business, but for you personally as a business owner or a leader, until you're clear on what you want, you're not going to have the motivation or significant enough motivation to really delegate like you need to because you're not really clear what it is you're trying to create. Once that becomes clear, then the delegation becomes a lot lot easier. So I, I think he's, he's definitely after the right things uh, in terms of what he shared with us at the end there. Well, as a reminder to our listeners, you can take the business health assessment right now at businessaccelerator.com slash health and get a snapshot of your own strengths and opportunities in your business. So Michael, Megan, thank you very much for your helpful advice today. Thank you, Larry. And thanks for being with us today. Be sure to join us next week when we'll tell you about what your biggest distraction is. And I'll bet it's not what you think it is. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Free to Focus, a total productivity system to achieve more by doing less. The latest book from Michael Hyatt. Pre-order now for exclusive bonuses at freetofocusbook.com.